Welcome to the Make Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, where we talk all things suburban fire service with your hosts, Nick Peppert and Sean Duffy. This podcast is sponsored by National Rescue Consultants, Build Your Culture, North Florida Fire and EMS Training, LLC, and the North Florida Fire Expo. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's go. All right, and we're back. Uh, Make Do Suburban Fireman Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Nick Pepper, with my co-host, Sean Duffy. Uh, tonight, we are welcoming a very special guest with us uh, to the show, Shane Bentley. Uh, Shane, uh, most of you know him from Bears of the Oath, uh, but uh, we're going to have Shane give a little bio about himself, a little information about himself. Yeah. Uh, so, Shane, uh, we'll cut to the chase, man. Uh, let's uh, welcome aboard and give us a little bit about yourself, man. All right, guys. First, first and foremost, thank you both. Uh, thank you both for having me on this. I, man, it's uh, it's a it's an honor, it's a pleasure, and it's whether it's on a podcast or a telephone call, man. I, you guys are, you guys mean the world to me, and I appreciate you guys considering me to be on here. So, thank you, thank you both for that. Um, again, my name's Shane Bentley. Uh, from Northeast Georgia. Worked for a career uh, career department in the city of Cornelia, which is a little small town in northeast Georgia, Habersham County. I've uh, been in the fire service for going on 18 years. Um, February, actually February of this year was 18 years. So I uh, started out as a volunteer, um, still volunteer. Uh, man, I tell you, it's, I was one of those that when I started in the fire service, I was just infatuated with it, still infatuated with it. And I wanted to know why all the time and uh, had the opportunity to take in about a year and a half after volunteering um, neighboring department, career department, about 18 miles down the road from where I live at. They had some positions open and I knew a couple of guys there went and filled out application, lucky enough to get hired and, in 2004, started my career as a paid firefighter, and um, best thing I've ever done. Uh, so it was, it's been a a career that I've been very blessed with, very fortunate, and to be where I started, where I'm at now is, um, I, man, I could write a book about it, and if only a couple people read it, never bought it, it'd be worth it because it's. Uh, it's through all the ups and downs and there's been very few downs. Most of those were self-inflicted. I was able to sit in this chair tonight and talk to you guys. So um, love the fire service, man. I, I absolutely love it. I love everything we do. I love what it's about. Uh, simply helping people, serving people. Uh, there's so many different aspects of it and, I guess uh, what a lot of people don't realize is, is a lot of what we do and a lot of what we preach has nothing to do with the fire service. Um, it, it, it does for us because we're involved in it, but you know, my outlook on the fire service is simply reverts back to our training. Everything reverts around to the basics and how I treat the fire service is the basics of life. And that's treating people right, caring about each other and, you know, doing the right thing, making mistakes to, uh, and learning from them to take and become stronger and better. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of people say it and, you know, 
I mean it. It's the best job in the world. And I, I couldn't think of, I, I, I honestly, if I was, if I was to have to lead the fire service, I wouldn't know what I would do. I'd be lost. So I'm, I'm extremely humbled to be here with you guys tonight and to talk to you guys about whatever rabbit holes we chase down tonight. So thank you again for having me. Yeah, man, we're, uh, we're pumped to have you here, man. I, you know, honestly, listen to you talk. It's just, it's funny how no matter what, you know, what it is that drew us into the service, we all kind of, you know, once we find that, that stride, once we find that, that spark, you know, uh, all of us that are sitting here, you know, tonight, and I would venture to say most of the guys that are listening to stuff like this, somewhere along the road, they, they found that spark. They found that desire to help other people, that desire to be part of something bigger than themselves. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's awesome to watch, you know, I think now, like looking back, you know, um, 16 years into the, onto the job myself, I look back and I get more excited about watching young guys come in and find their spark than anything, man. I love watching that light bulb come on. I love watching that aha moment when you're teaching or you're sitting on the bumper having coffee and they just, you, you see it in their eyes. All of a sudden they just get it. And, and you can tell that, that that fire's burning, right? And, you know, that's what stuff like this is about, right? This is this this type of, you know, podcasts, trade journals, conferences. It's about, you know, lighting that spark in people that maybe don't have it yet and then helping those that maybe have lost that spark to find it again. So I agree. I agree with that. That's uh, I, I tell you what, I get I get I get a much I get a bigger thrill out of taking and exactly what you just said, be, becoming involved with guys, whether you know or you don't know, I get a I get really hyped up on taking and seeing those guys that maybe hit that that bump in the road, you know, and think that nah, that's just it. This is just what it's going to be till I'm done. And just simply watching them get re rejuvenated and excited about the fire service just because we sit there and talk to them and, to, you know, and they realize, hey, it's okay. You know, this the brow beating that, that has taken place. And I think all of us have experienced at some point in time, the brow beating that, that the fire service has stigmatized itself with actually, you know, there's guys that need, that need what we're doing and they, and it's rewarding to see them just get sparked and reunited about the fire service. And then, you know, and, and being able to take in, watch them and guide them, but let them take and become somebody that they didn't even know that, you know, they, they could be because it just all it took was somebody said, Hey man, it's okay. It's just, it's really good to take and it's okay to give a shit about the job. And uh, I, I, I really, that take that, that right there is a, that's, that's the reward for me is uh, of many, but that's one of the rewards it just takes. And it just it makes me proud to continue doing what exactly what all of us do together. Yeah, that's it, man. So, um, Sean, I know you've recently uh, kind of done a little bit of a life life change uh, move, um, but uh, you know you've you've got a lot of uh, experience with this this type of thing with you know maybe guys that uh, are searching for that spark. You know, a lot of building cultures talking about what just that finding finding that winning culture, finding that culture, that spark, that energy to make people, you know, want to train, want to do better, want to, you know, love the job. And uh, so I was curious to hear your thoughts on what, what Shane was saying as far as, you know, um, kind of instilling that in other people. Oh yeah, man. I, 
one of the things that we try and hit on a lot is that uh, culture is not just about what we do in the firehouse. You know, a, a lot of it really stems from what we do outside the firehouse because uh, you can only be two different people for so long, right? And realistically, we all know if you're having problems at home and things like that, that that trickles into the job. So, um, you know, it's just about being a good person. You know, we, we all started somewhere. We all need help, whether it's in our personal or professional lives. And, you know, just sometimes people aren't necessarily looking for the answers. They just need some guidance. And um, one, of, one of the things that that I love about doing what we do is it's not just the new generation of firefighters that come in, um, you know, and, and take our classes or, or listen to podcasts or, or anything like that. It's, it's very much the old guard too, you know, uh, various different stages in people's careers. And when you sit there and you realize that it's really about mentorship and that everybody has something to offer um, in some way, shape or form, we become more of team players, right? And my weaknesses are somebody else's strengths and vice versa. So being able to, to come together and, and really hone in on all of those and, and build that family bond outside of the firehouse and inside of the firehouse, man, that, that's what makes everything so great. And, um, you know, when, when guys are in the fire academy or, or just wondering, like, maybe I should be a firefighter or not they get fed a lot of shit and some of it's not necessarily the best, you know, some of it they might hear from, from bitter disgruntled people. Um, and that's really where they shape or they form their, their first impressions. So I actually enjoy getting a hold of those people, those people that for whatever reason, um, have had a certain mindset on the fire service and I like chipping away at those barriers and breaking down those walls and showing them like, Hey, I don't, I don't know where you picked up this mindset from. Uh, but that's not what we're here to do at all. And once they start realizing that and they start coming around, man, that's, that's the best reward you can hope for, you know, and, and it takes time and it, it's, it's a lot of patience and it, it's all in your approach, but you know, realistically, whether it's us three here or, or anybody else, um, you could say all you want on what kind of firefighter you are or, or what kind of fire service that you want to see or whatever, but it, it's all about actions and staying committed, uh, to that outcome that you wish to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I think in the next 10 years or so, we're going to be seeing a huge shift in, in, and we're, we're taking our fire service back, you know, for, for so long, it's been kind of run by um people that that just for whatever reason don't they they lost their spark right they lost their drive and motivation for the job and and we're just we're here and we're not tolerating that stuff anymore and it, it's just an incredible thing well said well said yeah make no mistake um i really believe this too um there is a there's a battle going on right now for the fire service there is a cultural war being waged in the fire service. And, you know, probably more so than any time that I can remember in my, in my short career, you know, I'm no salty, you know, 30, 40 year guy by any stretch of imaginations, 
But having talked to and, and listened to guys that have been around the job, you know, for a hot minute and then just seeing stuff with my own two eyes and seeing and listening to, uh, you know, some of the conversations that take place around the country at different events and whatnot, uh, there is definitely a, a little bit of pushback that's happening right now against kind of the status quo fire service that at least I know I came into. Um, you know, I came on the job and, and just to give you an example, um, I came on the job and I was told things like lightweight trusses, we, you know, we shouldn't be under them, we shouldn't be on them, we shouldn't be, you know, basically they're, they're firefighter killers, uh, don't trust the trust, stuff like that. You know, you were told things like searching without a hand line is dangerous. You were told, you know, uh, and this is all stuff that was taught to me in fire academy. So I came on the job believing this stuff because that's what was instilled in us from day one in the academy. And, you know, um, you know, stuff like booster backup, you know, running off tank water was not the norm, wasn't the common practice in, in a lot of agencies and still isn't. But there's a lot, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of stuff that I think that over the last several years that has been challenged by guys that are kind of willing to turn the rocks over and look at the information, look at the data. Um, I love the amount of information that is out there because it you really, at your fingertips with the internet, we can all Google, reach out to people, um, network with people, you know, social media and the internet has allowed us to have a wealth of knowledge at our fingertips if we really pursue it. Now, the downside to that is the amount of information can be overwhelming at times. And it's like, what do you believe? Right. But that's where I think, you know, kind of the battle is going on right now is, you know, taking the information and, and, you know, there's, there's guys out there that are, are starting to push more data driven decision-making that are pushing like, hey, wait a minute, you're saying this is dangerous, but is it really as dangerous as you make it out to be, right? There's, we're pulling the numbers on line of duty deaths. We're pulling the numbers on, you know, our successes. Now, he brought, Chief Brush uh, recently was on National Rescue Consultants podcast, and he was talking about the data that he's collecting on our wins, right? For years, we've heard about the losses, but now we have people collecting data on the wins. You know, Firefighter Rescue Survey, Nick Ledeen, all those guys, Justin McWilliams, what are they doing? They're collecting data to help us make better decisions. And, you know, I think that that whole counterculture of, wait a minute, you know, let's, let's take a step back here and think about what is our core, what is our core mission? What are we here to do? And that's what's starting to happen in the fire services. Guys are starting to ask why they're starting to, you know, they're starting to realize that maybe we've swung the pendulum too far. uh, And, you know, we've become very self-centered, I guess, as a fire service as a whole, you look at all of the stuff that's come out with, you know, us first mentality and it's in, in initially that the firefighter safety initiatives were, you know, a noble cause. I think there's a lot of good information there. But what happened? We had people like Sean was alluding to earlier that that uh, maybe lost that spark that used that. They started going to this whole risk assessment thing. Well, you know, we just we won't have any any, you know, uh, liability if we don't take any risk. And so what's happened is you've had departments that have shifted too far to that other extreme so now there's kind of, I feel like that kind of, that pendulum starting to swing guys are getting excited about training it or getting excited about being firemen again. Uh, for a while, when I came on the job, it was all about EMS, right? ALS, special ops, like fire kind of fell to the background. And now you're seeing a big push for fundamental fire ground operations. So all that to say this, I, I, you know, I'm excited about where the job's going. I'm excited about guys like you, Shane, you, Sean. Uh, other guys that we're, we, we call brothers and friends that are pushing the fire service to be better, that are pushing the fire service to be firemen again. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about where that battle, you know, there's a battle, no doubt. But I think that 
you're starting to see that tide turn a little bit where guys are starting to see the light bulb come on. Um, and, and Shane, I, I really, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know I, I, I can see, you know, kind of, you know, the, the wheels turning in your mind. Um, but uh, yeah. like I said, bro, t- you know, give, give us your thoughts on where you see, you know, us uh, as a fire service uh, in this, this kind of cultural battle, if you will, for bringing back firemanship again, bringing back the craftsman aspect of our job. Yeah, I, man, you're you're both 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The thing is, is so I always try to take and be relatable. And that's from day one till today. And at some point in time, whether it's 16 years ago for you or 16 years ago for Sean, I know Sean started out as a volunteer and me and him talked about how he's went from then till now. So, but guess what we all did at one point in time? We all walked in for the first time, right? We all walked in the firehouse for the first time. In mine today, I, I, I think about it all the time. And the first day I walked in as a paid firefighter, I had no clue, very arrogant, um, early 20s, early to mid 20s. And the guy sitting there was the captain of my shift. I didn't know that. He was sitting there as a damn monster. You know, he was, and today he's one of my best friends. And, but when I walked in that day, you know, what do you do? You know, nervous feelings, break, break the ice. And I sat there and I introduced myself to him and he just kind of looked at me and he said, what can you do? I looked at him. I'm like, well, I'll do whatever I, I can make it work. He said, well, let's find out. And the, he was my captain. Now he's the chief at the department that, that uh, I left to come here. And, but he's also one of my best friends today, but you know what, if it wasn't for him and he was extremely aggressive, very aggressive. uh, And when I say aggressive, aggressive firefighter, um, he was a captain. He was the, he was the epitome of what a shift leader should be. And my, my first, three hours on the job was checking the fire truck over, explaining to me what my detail was every shift. And after that was done, we was outside. They were, we were, we started with the basics and that was catching hydrants, dragging lines, picking up ladders, throwing them. Now granted, did we throw them like we do today? No, we didn't. But you know what? He also allowed me to develop and be very arrogant and very open-minded and get that three, four, five-year ego to myself. And then he stuck his foot in my ass and brought me back down. Always kept me, brought me, taught me how to get back to the square and stay on it. And, but the thing about today's fire service is we talk about me and Chris Gilpin, we had a conversation today and, and he said it like, I got chill bumps listening to him talk about, Everything that he was saying was the same things that we talk about all the time. And I was like, holy shit, man, this is this is just like looking in the mirror, mimicking everything. And he's saying the same things. And this guy's up in Ohio and he's a well-respected lieutenant up there. And, you know, and he's got his mix and a lot of other things in the fire service. And but the conversations that we had was conversations like me and Nick Peppard and Sean Duffy and Jacob Johnson, Herbert, all these guys that we get to run with have. But. The thing about it is, is you alluded to something a second ago. What's in everybody's hands? 
Everybody's got a cell phone in their hands. And the people above us, the browbeaters that never done things the way we do them today, they're comfortable in that. And some of those guys, you're not going to change. But guess what? If we don't concentrate on the ones, the new guy, the new girl, we don't concentrate on them and teaching them. Because if they ask you a question, if you don't give them the answer and teach them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to Google.com. And when they do that, you know, there's no telling what you're going to see. It's a 50-50 chance. Are you going to get a, you're going to get a build your culture? Or are you going to get a Nick Peppard? Or are you going to get all these other guys? Or are you going to get some bullshit if they click on the wrong link? And that can dictate or pictate what's going to happen for them in their mind over the next first five years of their career. And guess what? <clears throat> when we walked into fire service, no matter how talented you were at anything growing up, there's things about the fire service, basic, basic things that none of us knew. And today it's a little different. It's a lot different because now the, the, the person, the new hire that's coming in today, it's a whole different culture for them than it was. The fire service has changed more in the last 10 years than it has the last 50 years. And the way I look at that is certain people get to get be put on platforms and take and given the ability like we're given right now to take and, like you said, take our craft back. Well, by doing that, you got to make sure that, one, you teach them correctly and you also hold yourself accountable and you allow them to hold you accountable. And if you don't teach them, if you don't care about them, you don't ask them and you don't get to know them, they're never going to perform, perform for you at that 100% mark because if they don't know you give a shit about them, they're not going to perform. That's just it. I've learned that. And I've seen it and I believe it 100%. So, you know, they, Nick Pepper's not going to take and come ride an engine with Shane Bentley if, and I'm not okay with 75, 80%. I get it. We have down days, but when we're working and we're expected to do things, we do it because the citizens matter. We serve the citizens. We're a fire department. I get we run EMS calls. Every fire department does. It don't matter. In some platform, they do it, whether it's MVAs or car wrecks. Or, but we all run medical calls, and that's fine. That's part of the job. But guess what? We're the fucking fire department, and we have a sense of responsibility that we have to uphold. And by doing that, we have to stress every day, every time we can, how important it is for us to be good at our job. And you're not going to perform. They're not going to perform for you as their leader if they don't know you give a shit about them. That's just the honest to God truth. And the thing about it is, is when they know you care about them and you take the time to actually get to know them, guess what? You, all they know is that, hey, this guy cares about me. He really cares. He's got high expectations. You have to teach them. You have to tell them what you expect out of them. You have to explain to them why it's important why you should be good at this, why you want to be good at this. This ain't just a job you come you come swipe in on every day. So at any given time, we don't get to choose when the bell goes off. When it does go off, you never know when you're going to get that opportunity to make that grab or to take and help somebody. And they're not going to give you 100% if they don't know the expectations out of them. And if they don't know their expectations and know you care, you're fighting a losing battle, man. And, the thing about it is, is people say the fire service is, is not what it used to be. I hear that all the time, and I'm like, you're exactly right. It's not. 
But there is a part of the fire service is taking and coming back, like you were talking about a minute ago, that is allowing us to take in. We didn't, none, not, there ain't me, you or Sean, neither one of us, none of us invented none of this shit. We're just taking and trying to refine it and make it a little better. And the reason we're, we were being successful at it is because people trust us and we're out here doing the right thing and putting our, putting everything we got on the line for it because we believe in the fire service and how impressionable it is and how important it is for the next guy coming in or the next girl coming in to be good at the job. And you can take culture all you want. I agree with culture. Culture is exactly what people make out of it. But guess what? Me and Sean and Pablo, we've had this conversation a bunch of times. Me and Nick's had it. Guess what culture is? Culture is what you make out of it. And if you've got a leader that doesn't take and care, or he's been browbeat for so many years and he thinks that his, you know, he don't want to ask questions or he don't want to take and he don't want to let me or you try new things. Guess what? There's the problem. That's the problem right there. And that's the biggest issue is trying to defeat that. And, but it's not hard to defeat. You have to take and manipulate that person. And when, you know, everybody hears the word manipulation, they're like, Oh, that's bad. But if you put manipulation for a positive outcome behind it, and you manipulate somebody to get them to see what they're actually capable of, they become reinvented. They fall back in love with the job. They fall back in love with the work. They enjoy doing it, but they cannot feel like that because they don't know something. It doesn't matter how long they've been in the fire service. They can't feel like that. You got to make them feel like that it's okay. You know, Hey, it don't matter how long you've been here, but it's okay for us to take and say, guess what? I don't know that. So let's figure out how to do it so we can become better at it. And it's uh, that's to me, that's the, that's the fun part of it is seeing people actually respond and become excited about the job again and getting them over the hump and going, well, I didn't know that. It's okay to say, I didn't know that. I don't know how to do that. Say it again. I don't know how to do that. It's okay to say that. Let me show you. Let's try this. All it is is effort and trying. If it doesn't work, we'll figure out something else. So, you know, it's uh, to me, it's one of those things that when you get to, when you get to be put in a position like we're all in right now to affect the fire service in general, this is our opportunity to do it right. And not to say people hadn't done it right before, but I mean, you got people like badasses like Patty Brown saying, Hey, this is truck. We're still going up knowing that they're not coming back down. It didn't matter. And that is that minority then is still the minority today, but what we're doing all together by joining forces is lessening the percentage of that minority. So it's to me, it's, uh, you know, it's, that's the, I love the challenge side of it. I love that. I love that. I love that part of it. So, I, you know, it's, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that part of it. I love the challenge of it. There's always going to be people that, that are going to be against us. But you know what? As we all keep taking and doing what we're doing, guess what? We're lessening those numbers a little bit every day. And we got to be we got to be those hounds out there looking for the guys coming up, the want tos that's under us right now and taking and not holding them back. And, and I think that's what we're doing. And we're doing a good job of it. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh spot on, bro. Um, Sean, I know, uh, you know, we talk about culture and, and what it takes to kind of, you know, ignite that, that passion. 
and find, you know, that little, that little bit of uh, motivation. Um, what are some keys that you feel are, you know, that we need to focus in on when we're trying to find, you know, when you find those guys that Shane was talking about a minute ago that are, you know, they're hungry, they're just, they're searching, they're looking for information, um, but they really don't know where to turn, or maybe they're worried about getting, you know, made fun of by, you know, a crew that's maybe not super motivated. Uh, what, what do you, you know, what would you say are like some of your key takeaways for, for finding those people, first of all, and, and, and kind of reaching out to them and, and bridging that gap where they want to kind of step out, step up, um, and, and, and start, you know, going, going the extra mile kind of to, to, you know, really love the job, be about the job, um, and, and really start to affect and change in their organization. Oh man, that's such a, a broad question and, and not in a bad way. I think we um, might've lost you, Sean. I got you know, visual, but I don't have audio. One. Okay. Can you hear me? Hold on. Wouldn't be a podcast without technical difficulties, right? How about that? <laughs> yeah, Sean, I got a visual, but no audio, man. You got that one? Can you hear me now? So while he's figuring out his technical difficulties, um, all right, how's that? You know, that better? I, I think that uh, it's easy for guys to get you know discouraged if they if they try to make positive change in their organization or they get excited about the job and maybe someone comes and pours a little bit of water on that fire. Um, I can tell you, man, I've been in that that boat previously, not not where I'm at now, but in a previous organization, and it can be really discouraging, man. Um, and Shane, you and I talked about this earlier, uh, and that is going to outside training events, going to uh, social events uh, with other firefighters from other departments, um, you know, getting out there and really um, experiencing the fire service beyond your own four walls uh, has a very positive impact. It did for me, man. It's, it's honestly what kept me going, uh, was going to stuff like Bears of the Oath and Massey and Orlando Fire Conference. Um, you know, County Fire Tactics, you know, Chief Hike doing conferences up in, in the Panhandle here, uh, going to HROC, uh, things like that really, 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 um, you know, help kind of recharge my battery and right. help me stay focused and, and realize that there's a lot of other guys out there just like me that love the job, that are passionate, that want to make a positive impact. And so I think that, uh, you know, Shane, what, what are your thoughts on that, man, as far as what the importance of, you know, having a training culture and mindset and the importance of getting around other like-minded brothers. Uh, it's, it's absolutely important. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to take and be able to be a part of, I, man, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know how I've become to be so lucky with the fire service, but I've, I've always got to be a part of different cadres, different events, different, trainings outside of my department and i always wanted to bring things back to try to you know hey let's try this you know and that's what we're supposed to do but you talk about like mafsy um you know mafsy those guys they really then when they started out with mafsy you know it started pretty much like we all have you know we all started with what we're doing now and it started from something and i've seen a bunch of those guys and I didn't, I didn't realize it then I, the, 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 the firefighters are the instructors that were trying to take 
and create something that we've been fortunate enough to be able to do. And I didn't understand why it kind of fizzled out, but I do today. And it's not that they were, they were bad, bad guys. It wasn't that they were, they were great guys. They were great instructors, but it hit me several years ago to be good at this. You have to take and be, you have to be authentic and, there's a lot more. So to get people to take and want to stand right in front of you and show their vulnerability and say that they don't know how to do something is absolutely that is. And it doesn't take long to do it. If, if you can get them to understand, Hey man, it's okay. If you don't know, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how, how, what we're expecting you to do. We're not going to throw you into this blind. I want to show you how we're going. We want you to do this why we do it this way, what the, what, it, what the advantage of it is for us and being efficient at it and how you be efficient at it is creating those repetitions over and over and over and over. And this is the thing, this is the trick with it that people I've seen guys struggle with is if you get somebody when they are not comfortable, you have to manipulate them and you have to manipulate those, those people to get them to understand really quick, hey, it's okay to, to suck. It's okay right now to fail because what we're going to do, we're going to fail, and we're going to we're going to. You got to understand why we're failing, and not and not good at this. And then we got to understand what we got to do to fix it. And they're not going to do that if they don't trust you. And <clears throat> being able to go to outside trainings, whether you invest out of your pocket or whether your department pays for it, either way is it's one of those things that you know. A lot of people, we don't make a lot of money at this job, right? And most people, a lot of people work, you know, two and three jobs. So if you can convince them, if you get the opportunity to convince them one time to do something that they're not comfortable doing, they're not afraid of failing in a group of people because that they, what they don't realize is they're not the only one standing there that's nervous or scared because they don't know how to do it. Nobody wants to say, Hey, Hey, guess what? I don't know how to do this. I want to go first. So you show them, you teach them, don't throw them to it blind. But what you do when you, when they do it one time, people don't realize what they're capable of. This right here is so capable of doing, it will do anything as well as the, as well as the body will. But right here, you have to overcome yourself. And when you can take and get somebody to do that one time, you just built a aura of confidence in them that they had, didn't have in that period of time. And you can see it when it changes on their face. And by doing that, you just open the door for them. You got to make sure that when you do that, that you take and teach them and show them and not berate them. You know, if that makes sense, you can't beat them up. And because our successes come from our failures and the only way you're going to be good is if you fail and to fail, you have to try and you have to work. And this job, people say this is a hard job. It can be at times, you know, I think the hardest part of this job is the mental aspect over years of service and how people deal with the mental side. But the physical labor part of it, it is not hard. You know, we're always, as firefighters, we're always trying to figure out ways to make it easier and better for us. And so investing in your career as far as training outside or going to other states or other instructors, you know, I've been to classes before that I, it was a waste of money. I hate to say that, but it was. Um, and that's kind of the whole thing with the Bears of the Oath was when – it started when we started doing this, it was long before the bears of the oath. There was a group of us that started just teaching classes together. And, and the reason we done it was we wanted to give 
we wanted to take and put the classes out there that we felt like we deserved, that we needed to know at what point in time in somebody's career is it right to decide when they should take and start going to the next level. I always had an issue and problem with that. Um, so if I had somebody that was hungry and ambitious or somebody that wasn't because they were scared or they were vulnerable or they were shy, you know what? It doesn't take much to get them over that, but you've got to take and love them the same, care about them the same when they're vulnerable and scared is when they do well and they mess up and, you know, and you got to encourage them and let them know you're going to make mistakes. And the only way that you're going to be successful is to understand why you made the mistake. And you can do that without taking and just totally ruining them from coming back to any kind of training. So I think it's extremely important to take and be interactive with the fire service and not just in your department, because if you've got good leadership, you've got good officers, and you've got <clears throat> people that care and they want the better for the citizens, not just the fire department. They want the better for the citizens. They're going to encourage you to go do that and bring it back and teach us how to do it here. And you got to spread that around and you got to give everybody the opportunities. We talked about it earlier. The answer is never no, man. You don't never shut the door on somebody that wants to go train. And people have different levels of talent. And guess what? You have to work with that. You have to learn to recognize that and you have to learn to take and teach and work with different people. And me and you might get it one way and somebody else might get it, but you can't be the only person telling them and teaching them that either because they might not understand it the way you're teaching them. They might have to hear it from somebody else. And you got to put good people in place to do that. No, hell yeah, man. That's, uh, that's it, man. We, uh, you know, we, we've got to make make sure that we are holding up our end of the bargain as officers, right. As, as company officers, as chief officers, you know, anybody that's listening out there, that's in that, that environment, you know, if you got a member that comes to you and wants to train, I don't care what time of the day it is, man, like make, make yourself available. Why, why are we here? Like, if, you know, I could easily make an excuse and say, oh, you know, I got stuff to do or, you know, whatever. I got to do these reports or I got, you know, it's, it's time for Jeopardy to come on or whatever it is. Right. So, you know, we've got to do our part as officers. You know, we say that we're there for the men. We say that we're there to to, you know, work. And you, and you mentioned this earlier, Shane. We talked about, you know, being there and working for your people, even though you're the boss, work for your people. And there's, there's really I mean, that's. People say that shit all the time, but Maybe. what does that really mean? What does that really mean? And and what it means is just that. Hey, what do you need to work on? Hey, when you get a, a junior member comes to you as a chief and they say, hey, chief, you know, I really want to work on my ladder throws. I really feel like I'm struggling, you know, with this one man, you know, ladder, high shoulder throw. You know, you got an opportunity at the, in that moment. You can make two choices. One, you can make an excuse for why you can't go do it with them. Right. Or two. You say, you know what? Let me put this down for a second. Let me come out here. Let's let's spend a half hour, an hour, whatever it takes to get them comfortable, right? But what have you done? Yeah, you put your. You might have to stay up a little bit later. You may have to, you know, put your reports off to later in the evening when they go to bed. But you just made a huge investment in that member's life, and and, and have made them better. And really, what have you done? You've enhanced your service to the citizens because now that firefighter is going to get that call where it actually fucking matters that they throw the ladder right the first time. And you know what? All of a sudden, they're making, the, you know, it could be the difference between them making the grab and not making the grab. And that 30 minutes that you took out of your day to go throw ladders with that, that rookie can be the diff, literally the difference between success or failure on the fire ground. Right. Dude, I seen a guy a few years ago. We, we ran a, uh, a mutual aid call with the department, working fire. 
um, seen a guy throw a ladder upside down and was trying to raise the ladder and jack it in the ground, you know, and the thing was, he was very, very, very aggressive and proficient in training. And he, and he was a, he was a guy that took in, was good at that. But guess what? He made a mistake on the fire ground and, you know, I seen it literally and, he was caught in the moment and didn't realize what he was doing. He was trying to raise the, the fly section and it was trying to jack itself in the ground. And I, I went over there and, you know, he beat himself up over that. And because he is, he, 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 to this day, he is very good at that stuff, but you know what? He made a mistake. And when he did, he took it very, very hard. And all he was doing was painting the, painting the structure with ladders like we always have done or not always, but like we've been practicing the last several years. And, but he took and he threw a ladder upside down, tried to jack it in the ground and he took it hard, man. He was, he was beating himself up and, you know, we was all telling him, Hey, 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 but you know what it took? It took from, Hey, saying, all right, it's time to get off your ass. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. You made a damn mistake. Let's go right now. How, how, let's go figure out how this happened and how it and how it's not going to happen again. And it literally getting outside, throwing the ladders again and analyzing why that happened. Got him over the hump and we got to be able to, we got to be able to be good as good as we are at teaching. We got to be able to be good at taking and overcoming mistakes and making them realize, Hey, helping people realize, Hey, you're going to make mistakes. If you think you're not going to make mistakes, you need to go do something else because this job has a high, high chance and a high rate for failure. And guess what? It's going to happen. And if it hadn't happened to you, it will. And if it doesn't, it's going to bite you in the ass. Because if you ain't making mistakes in training, guess what's going to happen? You're going to make mistakes when it counts, and then it's going to be detrimental. And But people, you got to be able to understand people. And, and the most confident people in the world, when they make mistakes, sometimes they take it. You got to understand that, hey, we got to help him get over this and or her get over this. And, <clears throat> and it matters, man. And, and it matters. And that's because I think the expectation from us is, you know, we're needed when we're needed. It's hard to sell ourselves a lot of time because the fire service and the fire department does not bring in money. It costs a lot of fucking money. And, but when we're needed, it's no expenses and nobody cares then. So, it's all, you know, is when the emergency happens is when we have to be prepared. But I, I truly believe that every chance you get to take and spend training, you're not going to be good at training and you're not going to get better if you don't enjoy it. That's just it. If you don't enjoy training and you, you're and you don't have if you every time you go train, you dread it and you go, oh, shit, what we're going to do today. I'm dreading this because I'm afraid I'm going to look bad. And you got to recognize that long before you get out there and you got to be able to help these guys overcome that because, you know, it's just the chance for, you know, that chance of having that opportunity to take and do it right and be successful triumphs that opportunity, uh, opportunity to make a mistake and not be prepared for it. And there's a difference in being prepared and making a mistake and being prepared and being unprepared and making that mistake. So it's uh, the anytime you can take and, benefit from somebody else you got to learn the mistakes man that's the thing people don't realize mistakes got to happen and they need to happen on the training ground because if they happen on the training ground we're really good at figuring out techniques on how to prevent that but you got to have that buy-in from them you got to teach them and this 
they, they can't be afraid to make mistakes. And I think if people can overcome that, they can figure out how to overcome that in their departments and in the fire service in general. It's, it's, it's wide open for what the capabilities of people are. You don't even know until you invest in them. You know, it's like the term, the term brotherhood, right? That gets thrown, that to me, that term gets thrown around so very loosely. But you know how I take and I, I steer away from that? Brotherhood, you know what brotherhood is to me? Is that's my friends and relationships. They're families. Everybody's families matters. Not just the families we're going after with this call that needs our help when they're on their worst day. Nick Pepper and his wife and his kids matter. Sean Duffy and his two daughters and his wife matter. Brotherhood to me is my friends and the friendships that we create and the relationships we create. Brotherhood is just a word if it's not there. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I wrote some notes down while you were talking, Shane. And uh, first things that came to mind was you were talking about reps. Reps fucking matter. Reps, reps, reps. And, you know, I don't care what profession it is. I don't give a shit whether it's pro sports, whether it's, you know, military units, whether it's SWAT teams, whether it's fire departments, whether, you know, whatever it is, you know, doctors, surgeons, a team of surgeons that do complex surgeries. What do they all have in common? They put in mental and physical reps, lots of reps to get to the point where they are proficient and masters of the craft. Right. That's what they do. So reps matter. The next thing that popped, you know, that I wrote down that kind of popped into my mind while you're talking, man, is, you know, we've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We yeah. have got to get comfortable in training. It's okay to make mistakes and fail in training. That's why we're training. The problem is when we put use that as an excuse because we want to, you know, human nature is we want to be comfortable. Human exactly. nature is we want to, you know, do things that is within our wheelhouse, right? We don't want to step outside that bubble because we might get exposed for having weaknesses. But the reality of it is, you know, the, the truth is we, we, you know, should we still work on things that we're, we have strong suits in? Absolutely. That's why they're strong suits. However, however, what's going to bite us in the ass is probably not our strong suit. What's going to bite us in our ass on the fire ground is typically the stuff that we neglect because we don't like it or because we're uncomfortable with it or whatever. So for example, you know, let's say I, I love, you know, pulling hose and, and flowing water and doing all this stuff, but I, I hate RIT for whatever reason. I just, I don't like tight spaces. I don't like being trapped. I don't like, you know, whatever. I don't like that, that, that particular topic. And I neglect that topic when we get a, a scenario when all of a sudden, you know, Hey man, I'm not in, in a big urban system where I only do a certain task right? A certain skill set. I'm on a truck and that's all I do is truck work or I'm on an engine. So I only do engine work or whatever. The reality is most of the fire service finds themselves in that, that suburban to rural setting where you may be fire attack, one fire search, the next fire ventilation, the next fire and rent the next fire. I mean, that's just the way it works, right? That's the reality of the American fire service. So all of a sudden I find myself in a scenario where I'm in a writ scenario and oh shit, it's that one time where we actually need the writ team to be on their game because we have a down fireman and I haven't trained on writ in six months because it makes me uncomfortable. You know where I'm going to fail? I'm going to fail there. And unfortunately my failure is going to translate into not just my failure, but it's going to translate into the failure of the entire team. And unfortunately in that scenario, you know, what is the outcome of our failure? Most likely it's going to be the death of a member or, or, you know, serious injury or whatever, because I was, 
you know, unwilling in training to get uncomfortable. And so that's, you know, that kind of sticks, sticks with me is like, you know, train on the stuff you suck at. Train on the stuff you suck at because the only way you're going to get better is with reps, getting uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. And then the last thing, you know, you, you hit on the family aspect of what we do. You hit on the family aspect of the fire service. You know, the great thing about the family aspect of the job, and if you really have buy-in from your crews and you're, you guys are really brothers and value the brotherhood, everybody struggles together. When one member is struggling, the other member is down in the trenches with them sweating, struggling, working to make them better. That's the beauty of it. We're, this is a team sport, man. This isn't a one-man show. And at the end of the day, like that's that's where you got to lift your members up. If they're struggling, don't ridicule them and make fun of them because they, they messed something up. Take them out on the drill yard and get it right. Because guess what? There, there's a very good chance if your ass gets in trouble, they're going to be the one coming for you. That's right. So that's, that's, that's you know, dude, spot on, man. Spot on. Uh, great conversation. I, I think we got Sean back. Sean, you back? Maybe. I think his microphone. No, I'm, I'm here. There he is. So Sean, you know, we, you know, Shane and I, uh, we've been scanning it back here for a little bit. I, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, Shane, Shane had a lot of really good points that he made regarding, you know, getting people engaged, getting people, uh, you know, showing them you care, making them understand the value of, of the brotherhood and, and what, you know, the job that they're in. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on kind of what's been said over the last few minutes. Well, I, I kind of agree with everything that, that both of you have said. And uh, I'm going to take something here from, from Mark Von Oppen is uh, we have to understand that 1% of what we do is 100% of what the public expects us to, to do to perfection, right? The key word is That's perfection. Right. Like we, all of us know that we're not perfect and we are going to fuck up and we're going to make mistakes. And that's why we train, but that's why we also use realistic training environments, right? Because we can train for the wrong thing. If we're not careful, if we're not training properly and, and making sure that we're putting ourselves in the most realistic scenarios that we could possibly face, then, then what are we training for? Right. We're, we're just setting ourselves up for, uh, for failure, you know, and, why, why I find it interesting, what Von Oppen says is the key word there is perfection. Our citizens don't give a shit if you're having a bad day. They don't care if you have a headache. They don't care if your wife just left you. They, they don't care about any of that stuff. They called because you're supposed to be the one with the knowledge and ability to fix their worst day, their emergency that's happening right now. Um, so they don't want to accept mediocrity. You know, that, that, that doesn't, and, and neither should we, you know, and if we look at our personal lives, you know, if you hire a plumber or, or whatever tradesperson to come in and work on your house, you know, you, you criticize their work because before you pay them, you, you better be satisfied and you better make sure that it's, it's up to par, right? Well, it's so right. different in the line of work that we do, you know, uh, we're blue collar workers, man. You know, this is a trade, whether people want to admit it or not, this is what we do. So whether your career, volunteer, paid on call, whatever uh, you happen to be in the fire service, the taxpayers are still funding you to show up and do what you claim to do, you know, and we'll have no problem asking for a new fire engine. 
or or uniforms or a pay raise or whatever it may be and that that all comes to an expense of our taxpayers you know in some way shape or form so what it really boils down to is that our proper preparation is what's going to prevent our poor performance right that's correct and and we could sit here all day long bounce back and forth and say oh we got to be around those that are like minded and those that are push me and motivate me and all the all that good stuff. And, and while that's true, we have to understand that it is 100% our responsibility to do so. I could give people the best pep talk and fire them up all they want. I could tell them till I'm blue in the face why they need to be doing something or, or, or how important this is. And, you know, ultimately it's up to me to make sure that I'm not a hypocrite and I'm out there and I'm constantly improving on myself. But it's also up to them to take the guidance that, that they need. Or, or that they might be looking for, and and apply it and do something with it. You know that that's what we're here for. And um, you know, I I always look back at Malcolm Gladwell. You know, and he has that concept of like ten thousand hours uh, to achieve excellence. Right? He talks about that in his book, The Outliers. But again, we always throw that out there as, as a way to like gauge something. But has any of us apps actually like sat back and dissected that, right? Have we actually looked at it and said like, hey, man, we, we don't really need to be twice as good to get twice the results. You know, if we break down one year, that's 365 days. If we became 1% better every day, in theory, we'll be 365% better at the end of that year, right? That's small effort. Always asking you to do something that you're not capable of doing, right? Or that you said that you weren't, you wouldn't do. Every single person, again, whether it's career, paid on call, volunteer, whatever, when you sign on that dotted line, you put in your application, you picked up your uniforms, and you walked into the front doors of, of that firehouse, you assumed responsibility. And you assumed that the fact that you were going to do constant evaluation. Not only on yourself, but your peers to make sure that everybody's getting checked because we have a job to do. And I don't really give a shit if you like something or not. You know, if you don't like it and it's that much of a burden for you, please leave. Because I'll tell you right now, if you're in my first or my first two district and something happens to my family and you show up to my house with that attitude, it's not going to end well. And, and it's not going to be good for, for anybody, right? Especially not my family who needs you. So, I think when we talk about training and providing realistic training and, and finding out what works, it needs to be real world. Like knowledge is just theory until we, we prove it otherwise. Right. So we can be out there and showing these guys, Oh, this is the best way to do something, but is it really, have you actually physically done that? What is, what is your ability to look a student in the face or another firefighter in the face and say, yes, this is the way we need to do things. Why? Just because somebody told you so, you know, like the fire ground is going to be the, the ultimate decider of what works and what doesn't. And we need to have that grab bag to go, oh, shit, in theory, this this would have worked, but this is reality and it didn't work. So what am I going to do next? Right. So with that, it, it's about mastering your craft. And I, I just want to kind of go backwards a little bit to the 10,000 hours. If we actually looked at that and broke that down to what it takes to, to even be proficient 
at something. It's eight hours a day, five days a week, 44 out of 52 weeks a year. That's five and a half years. It will take every single one of us through constant dedication and, and refinement to be close, not be perfect, but be close to perfection, right? That's a lot of dedication. And that's really what we need to be stressing people, you know, is look, this is a long career. You know, some of us 25, 30, maybe, maybe more years. If you can't dedicate five and a half years of your fire service career to really trying to hone in on your craft, maybe this just isn't for you. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's the dedication and discipline that comes with it is it's 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 it's, it's got it's dedication and discipline's got to have a consistency and you're 100% correct. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean it, it's got to. And you know, we kid ourselves when we when we say, "Hey, we're going to have live fire training." Okay? And and we Look, man, you see it all the time. You know, train with the best. Some of these best best instructors in the in the business, you know, most realistic fire training. Wh- whatever shit we decide to throw out there to to attract people to the training that's fine and i have no problem with people saying those things or or doing that but make sure you deliver you know when when it's go time and your students are there and they're looking at you because you've sold them this bag of goods you you better make sure that when they leave there they're able to and and i'll talk to you about you know uh, uh, both of you guys were there you know back in georgia uh, when we did conference number two, you know, that we were there constantly forceful entry search, you know, doing all these things, writ, all these skills, our students, white, they wanted to be there is the end of the day. And they still wanted to go more. I mean, we had guys doing what coming out of the building and jumping right back in line just to go back in because they're getting a level of training that somebody for some reason has not given them before. And, that doesn't make us better than anybody by any means. What I'm trying to get at is they're hungry. This is what firefighters want, and this is what firefighters deserve. And at the end of the day, the end result of that, you know, and Shane, you could attest to this. What, what was the end result two weeks later after that conference was over? There was a grab, right? There was a grab that was, was made. And, I, you know, I remember you texting all of us saying, hey, you know, this guy, Nate Schuler." He made that grab. He was he was our student for those two, you know, for those few days. And what did he say? You remember what he said, Shane? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So what did he say? He's like, we were just doing this. I we literally practiced this stuff last week or two weeks ago. And you know, when you talk to him, you you ask him, do you feel that your training that you received two weeks ago played a a factor in your success? No questions asked. Yes, it did. It's and, and that's where preparation comes. And, and like I said, I, I'm not putting bears of the oath or build your culture or North Florida Fire Expo uh, above anybody else. What I'm saying is, we said there is a need, right? We have to be better, and and we're and we're trying the best we can. You know, we're not perfect. We're trying the best we can to provide that, but it does make a difference, and that's what I think we need to be stressing to to students and anybody else is be careful who you listen to. Be careful what events you choose to go to. All training is good training. I'm not saying that, but,
but there is a difference between training you could take back and apply and training that you're like, all right, cool. I, you know, I went and hung out with my buds for a couple of days and, and might've picked up a nugget or two, you know, and, and as a fire service, we really, whether it's in the firehouse, um, at, at our training academies, wherever, you know, we have to be delivering that level of expectation to those people seeking that out. Otherwise, you know, we're just kidding ourselves. We're not, we're not getting any better. We're just doing reps upon reps upon reps of the same old shit that doesn't work. That's right. If they don't get it from us, they're going to get it somewhere else. Shane, you said it earlier, Sean, you just alluded to it. The bottom line is if we, you know, are going to sit here and say that, you know, we want to make the fire service better. We want to put out high quality training. Then it's our job to deliver that, right? It's our job to give them what they're looking for. You got all these young, hungry firemen that are coming up on the job. They want guidance. They want someone to, to kind of give them that nudge in the right direction. And if we don't give it to them, who is going to give it to them? Google? Yeah. Some fucking guy that's sitting in an office that hadn't been on a fire truck in fucking 10 years that's, that's making policies about tactics and how we should operate? Is that where they're going to get it from? Some IFSTA book? I mean, no, no slam against IFSTA, but I think it's fair to say that some of the stuff that's in those books doesn't always translate to their local fire department and their operation. Right. And so the bottom line is like, we we've got to be mindful of if they're not getting it from us, right. If they're looking up to us to give them answers, to give them guidance, to give them training and, and you know, cause they want, they want it. Then if we don't give it to them, you can't get upset when they go somewhere else. You can't get upset when they go, you know what, you know, you don't want to train me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find it somewhere else. Or they take the other approach. And that is, you know what, if it's not important to you, then it's not important to me. And God forbid we give them that impression where they just want to, you know, do the bare minimum and get by and, and just coast through the fire service. You know, that's, you know, that's the bottom line is like, we've got a huge responsibility. I think as instructors, as guys that, you know, been on the job for a few years to mentor and share that love for the job and that passion with these guys that are coming on the job and, and this mindset of fuck them. They're the new guy. I hate that, man. I hate that because you know, what are we telling them? We tell them this is the best job in the world. This is the brotherhood. And then they come on the job. And for the first couple of years, we shit on them and tell them what worthless is, you know, worthless pieces of shit they are. And, you know, shut the fuck up. right, right. And, and, you know, to some point I understand the mindset of earn your stripes and there's definitely got to be some of that. You can't have some, you know, you can't have just complete arrogance, unchecked arrogance, and and just this this mindset of entitlement. I'm not saying we don't curb that. What I'm saying is this: like if we're going to tell them that they belong to the best damn family in the fire, you know, the being in the fire service is the best damn family environment. It's the best, you know, or, you know, organization or municipal, municipality to uh, work for. Excuse me. Um, then we, we owe it to them to, to mentor them. We owe it to them to teach them. You know, if we want them to be better, we want them to be gung-ho and, and motivated and amped up for the job, then we can't come in and act like assholes to them. You know, nine out of ten, you know, 90% of the time we, we, we act like assholes to them. And then, oh, by the way, I want you to come train with me. I want you to come to this conference. I want you to come, you know, do this X, you know, XYZ function. Like, that's not the way it works, man. And, and that's human nature. I mean, if someone, you know, is telling you that, oh, yeah, I care about you, I care about you, but then 90% of the time their actions say otherwise, there's no congruence with their words and their actions at that point. Does that make sense? There's yeah, no congruence. And, they, and they're going to go, well, you know what? I know what you're saying, 
but what you're doing speaks a lot louder and, or, or in this case, what you're not doing, which is mentoring. So, you know, we, we owe it to them to mentor them. We owe it to them to share that passion. We owe it to them to teach them because frankly, you know, uh, we've all had those people in our careers that have made a difference in our careers. I mean, I could list off five or six people right off the top of my head that definitely impacted me for the better, right? That definitely made me more engaged in the fire service, that made me a better fireman. So, you know, and we could also list probably five or six people each that, you know, that uh, we we learned stuff not to do from them, right? We took, we took those, those, those negative examples because whether we want to admit it or not, whether it's for good or for bad, we are we are influencing people one way or the other. You got to be relative with your resources, um, you know, and that's it's everything. What you just said, Nick, was the same thing that was a conversation I had two nights ago. I was driving down the road, and I was on the phone with somebody, and and it was he said, "Man, I, he said I got a question." And I find I get this question here a lot lately. Is how are you guys doing what you're doing? And I guess that's, you know, to me, it, the first for a while there, I kind of thought, well, it's easy and it is easy. It's very, it's it, when it comes to myself, it has been very easy because I've, like I said, I'm just one person and I got a whole, a whole cadre of friends um, that make it to make the relativeness and the resources that we have. To, it makes us able to be able to do what we do. And that's, you know, every, we're very aggressive here with our training. We're very aggressive. We, we, we try to make it as real as possible. And let's just face it. There's not a training event you'll ever go to that will ever equate to a real life, to a real life fire call. And the minute you think that you fucked up, because if you do that, it's the same thing with being perfect. You're never going to be perfect, but you can be proficient in chasing, being chasing that, being chasing perfection. And, but the resources that you have and the people that you put in place. So if you want to provide training to a group of people or individuals, whether it's a department or 200 different students over three or four days, you got to take and have a goal before you ever start. And you got to know what that goal is. And you have to share that with the like-minded people that are there helping you that show up to make this happen and to be relative with it. You have to be able to have the resources to do it. And, and if you don't, it just becomes another training event. And when you take and create relativity and resources, it, it has a consistency and the same, the group of people, whether it's whether like our group is God dang, it's got up to it's in the thirties and close to 40 people now that, we're all traveling together state to state and helping each other at the drop of a hat. But we're all, we all share the same goal and like-mindedness and that is providing the most realistic, proficient training we can with the resources we have. I've never worked for a big department. I've worked for two fire departments and they're both very small. And for years I had in the mindset that we'll never be able to do what bigger departments will do. That's changed over the last four or five years for me because I can tell you right now, all of the training that that we create now is based upon the low low staffed engine. For us, it's four. So we have, yeah, we have other people coming and mutual aid and automatic aid departments coming. But with that, 
you have to take, there's four people here 24 hours a day. And we have to be able to get the job done regardless of who's coming or who's not coming. Because if we can't get the job done with us four people, then we're not, we're not going to be effective when we get there. So we have to train as we're the only four coming and we're the only four there and it's all got to be done. And it don't matter if it's sizing up placement of the, the engine. It don't matter what it is. V E I S V E S. That's all bullshit, man. It's called search. You know, I, I really, I've really got back to that mindset that it don't matter which way you go in, whether it's on the first, second floor, through a window, through a door it's search. And we've got to be proficient at it and to be able to teach it. You've got to have some of the some of the most aggressive, like-minded individuals to be able to teach it and make people confident and being able to recognize when and how to do it. And and you can do that with the four men that, you know, you can do that with the low staffed engines because we've proven it. We've proven it here that we can do it and we're going to do it. And it's how you train, but you have to invest in the training to be able to set it up to where you can get there. And when you get there, that first two-man engine shows up. The second one's coming behind it. Everybody knows what they're responsible for. It's great. We got a lot of people coming, but guess what? What happens if something else comes in right behind it and they get diverted? We still got four people. We have to do it now. We got to know how to do it, and we got to know we can't take and plan on anybody else coming because it's up to us. That's our job. That's what we took the oath to do, and that's what we're going to do. And to do that, you have to instill confidence through training and teaching them and teaching them the right way. And IFSTA doesn't teach that. I'm not knocking IFSTA, but if we reverted back to everything we learned, just enough to get our certification and our certificate, you wouldn't have the facts. of You wouldn't have the Brian Brushes teaching and posting daily the grabs, the successes, because that shit didn't happen through any kind of basic IFSTA stuff. The fire service and the firefighter, the aggressive firefighter is what's implanted today's fire service and that didn't happen we didn't do this we didn't re- we didn't invent none of this shit we're just trying to take and leave our mark and leave our legacy behind it and that's very important but it takes people like us to be able to do that and you can't stand in the way of the younger guys that are good at it or going to be good at it or got other ideas you got to take and let them do it and you got to take and watch because what you're doing is you always got to have the mindset even as an instructor when you show up you got to have the mindset that you're showing you're showing up to learn as well not just teach yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm glad you said that. That last part right there, uh, you know, I was watching uh, the weekly scrap with Corley Moore last night, and they had one of my good friends, Dave Mellon, on there, and uh, he said it excellent. You know, I'm not here to train you, I'm here to train with you, you know, and, and that's really where we're at. You know, the, the fire, the fire academy, um, how many times you see those instructors getting into bunker gear, getting down there in the trenches with, with the guys, you know, and right next to them, putting in the sets and reps just like they are. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's rare, you know, and, and that sends a message right off the bat, you know, and that message is that, you know, once you become an instructor or whatever, and you start teaching that, that you you no longer have to, to lower yourself down. And here's the problem with that. I don't care if it's rank in the fire service or if you're an instructor or whatever, climbing that ladder, whether it be knowledge, uh, rank or, or whatever that you compare it to is not an excuse to forget how to climb back down. Okay. And when I love when we go to trainings and we do stuff because it's intentionally small groups, 
one, like you said, Shane, um, we have to train for reality and reality is in suburban America. Most of us have two guys on an engine, maybe three if we're lucky. Okay. So what good does it do to teach somebody how to stretch line, having, having a guy at the nozzle and a guy to, you know, push behind them and then a, a heel man, you know, get, catching up like pinch points and things like that. You know, that, that might not be reality in the same, in the same situation. It's, it's not reality to have six people on a search crew. And that, that's not saying that it can't happen on a fire ground, but immediately that's a far stretch. You know, that, that, that's probably not what most of us are going to face. So that gives us the ability when we're providing this training, not to only put the focus on students to get the sets and reps they need in, in the situation they're going to be, but it also gives us the ability as instructors um, to, to sit down there and, and take our time with them, walk through the paces, but also learn. You know, I'll tell you right now, I, I've been in buildings where I watched the students go through and I'm like, man, that's pretty slick. The guy, the way that guy's carrying that, that water can or that tool or, you know, the way that they chose to do the search, because I'll tell everybody, look, when we're doing search training, you guys have had all of the drills and everything else. This is live fire. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm only here to correct you if, if I need to correct you. But this is you guys. This is real time. You guys make the decisions. And, and some of those decisions are, are really good. Some of them aren't, um, but that's okay. They're learning. But man, sometimes I'm just blown away by one, how fast these guys are. Two, the, the decisions they choose to make on the fly, their, their communication. And when I say communication, I'm not talking about constant talking. I'm talking about direct to the point. I've given you a task, get it done. And, and they're just, they're split searching and they're clearing rooms like, you know, if there were four guys in there, that search is done and the victims are removed, <laughs> you know, in, in probably one of the most timely manners that I've ever seen. And, and that that's a benefit to us and the students, you know, because I pull them, man, where'd you guys learn to move like that? You know, and it and, and it's pretty constant. You hear it's just I don't we train a lot on it. You know, the, the point I'm getting at is. um when Dave said that, I'm here to train with you, that is where we need to get um, mentality-wise, uh, even in the firehouse. I, I don't care if you're the chief of the department. If we're doing training, like I, I want to see you training with us because that tells me that you're invested and that you actually give a shit. Nothing pisses me off more than somebody who thinks that they're above training and they'll sit back with their arms crossed and watch everybody else do something. And ridicule every little thing that's happening. But at no time during that are they going to put on their gear or are they going to offer some guidance or any of that stuff? They're just going to sit there and continue to mock everybody. You know, and, and I think that we've accepted that for too long. And it's time for all of us to start challenging people like that and saying, okay, you got a better way? Show me. Get your gear on. Come show me. And that's not disrespectful at all. That's if you're going to open your mouth, then it better be constructive. And if it's constructive, then I want you to come show me. If you're not going to come show me, then I want you to shut the fuck up and let us do what we're supposed to do, which is continuously fine tune our skills. Yeah. Dude, I'm saying right now, man, that, that is, that is money because here's the deal. Um, 
as a as a captain, um, I can tell you that, that nothing frustrates me more than when my peers, when I hear like I work on other shifts or whatever, I work with other guys or I run into guys from other departments and they say that their boss doesn't get in gear and train with them. Nothing rubs me more raw. <laughs> they, it just, I don't understand it. As a company officer, especially, your your job is to be in the trenches with the men leading, not standing back with your arms crossed, pointing fingers at what they're doing wrong. And I can tell you right now, um, my guys know if they're in gear, I'm in gear. You know what I'm saying? And and what is that? You know, it's not that I, you know, I don't think I'm special by any stretch of imagination. I'm just a fucking fireman. But here's the deal. If I want to expect my people to train in full gear, my ass is going to be in full gear because they need to see that their captain, their, you know, their officer is willing to put in the sweat equity with them, right? Even if I'm not, you know, doing the task, you know, at the moment, I'm, I'm helping giving pointers. I want to be in gear. Why? It's setting an example. It's setting the, 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 the standard of, hey, you know what? We're going to train the way we fight. We're going to set ourselves up for success in training, you know, by doing realistic training. You know, when we do, and here's, here's the thing, there's a difference between training and drilling. Let me, let me, let me clarify this. You know, when we train, when we train, what are we doing? We're breaking down individual pieces. We're, we're going over stuff. You know, I don't always train in full gear. Sometimes we do it, you know, without packs. Sometimes we do it without coats, right? Because we're honing specific skill sets. But when we drill, it's full speed, put all the pieces together, full gear, practice, you know, practice the way we fight. And there is a big difference there. I mean, guys know. I mean, most of my drills are, are quick, 10, 15, 20 minutes tops. Why? Because drilling is for proficiency. Drilling is for putting it all together. Training is for breaking down those individual pieces, fine-tuning those skill sets. And, and that's kind of where we, you know, we kind of go with both of those. So let me, let me clarify that. But let me also say this. I think there is benefit, for instance, you know, throwing ladders. People, they have a high, a hard time maybe learning the high shoulder throw, right? Initially, it may be difficult with air pack and a mask and everything flinging around to, for them to get the technique to get it up on their shoulder, right? Especially if they're doing the flip or doing all that kind of stuff. So what we'll do is we'll start real slow. Like, hey, just, you know, helmet, gloves, and a coat, right? So you, let's start there. And then we may throw the pants in there. And then we may throw an air pack. Then we're going to do it on air, right? So what are we doing? We're, we're bridging that gap, that skill gap, as we go to add those difficulty you know, layers into the equation when we train. And what is that? I mean, all that is doing is it's building confidence and then adding layers of difficulty so they can master each layer of difficulty until they've got it mastered at full speed. So then when we go drill, we incorporate that 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 skill set into that drill so we may say hey we're going to go ves that second floor room and i'm not going to tell them how to get the ladder there but what i want to see is then put to practice those skills that we've been training on ladders right to get that you know ladder to to the window properly and then to search properly based on you know training on on search right so when we get there you know hey let's let's in full full contact you know, this is full pass practice when we drill, right? That's how we try to do it. And the point is, I mean, as officers, though, what what message, you know, I think uh, you said it a second ago, Sean, what message are we sending if we are telling people that they need to be, you know, proficient in these skills, this craft, whatever, and we're, we're, we're going to train them, but we're not going to train with them. We're not going to put our gear on. We're not going to do the skills that we're expecting them to do. We're not going to demo those skills for them. In, in full gear, I think we're setting ourselves up for failure as instructors, as officers, as senior men, 
by doing that because all that instills in them is a sense of there's a, a divide between us. There's an us and them mindset that you've already arrived, so you don't have to wear your gear. You've already arrived, in, in, and so you're, you know, you don't have to train with me. You don't have to do the stuff because you've already done it. Well, I, I'm sorry, but you know what? Tom Brady's been in the NFL for how long? What, 17 years? Motherfucker's still throwing footballs and putting pads on and practicing. So if a guy like that who knows clearly knows how to throw a football can still put in sets and reps and put his, his uniform on, then why can't we? Let me tell you something about uh, turnout gear and a fire helmet instead of – and even just responding to your basic vehicle accident. That is the biggest platform that you could have in the middle of the interstate or the highway with hundreds of people driving by you, right? Well, think if there if, if you're at a if you're at a car wreck, you're I don't know, say 30 minutes. We'll say an average of 30 minutes, right? And you're in a busy intersection. How many kids are riding in that vehicle that goes by? If there's one kid for every 30 vehicles. And you got a thousand cars that pass you or 500 or even a hundred. So you know how impactful you can be. So what are kids, what are kids, they look for role models from a certain age, right? Like it's like from three to 10 years old, kids are looking for role models, right? They're looking for somebody to establish what they want to do and who they want to be like. Correct. So you think about this simply wearing your turnout gear when you're supposed to, on the biggest platform where everybody sees you because you're not, let's just face it. When you're going to structure fires, not everybody sees you in the gear that you're dependent on to take and protect you. But think about the impact and the influence you have. People watch TV. They watch, they watch cartoons. They watch everything. Kids, they want to be superheroes. They want to be, you know, Vikings to me, Vikings and Spartans. That's just, to me, that's just, it's impressionable, right? To watch movies of just fighting and Vikings, how, you know, how, how tough and, but you think about us standing in the middle of an intersection with our turnout gear on just our helmet and our coat and our pants. How, how influential is that to a kid that goes by and sees us standing there and you see him and you make eye contact with him or her and you wave at him and they're waving at you and they see you in that gear. To me, wearing turnout gear is the biggest compliment for myself and my job because it it shows that I'm not just a bystander. It shows that I'm a firefighter. I'm there to serve my community. I'm there to help somebody. And guess what? Think about how many people or how many kids you might influence, even adults that drive by and go, man, I would really like to be, I'd really like to do that because at 20 years old, I had no idea I was going to be a firefighter. I seen fire trucks go by all the time and I I was always intrigued by it, but I never knew that I was going to be a firefighter. And every time I seen a truck or a wreck or, you know, I, I noticed young that not everybody, not everybody done the things that we're talking about. And you notice that. And how many other people notice that? But how many kids do we influence that take and think that look at us as that, that, that role model, that that's something that they might want to be simply because we had our damn turnout gear on. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, and the thing about it too is is wearing it properly. It's one thing to put it on, and it's one thing to to put it on and wear it the correct way. And um, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But you know, I don't know when, as a fire service, 
so many people became allergic to wearing their damn gear. All right. Yeah, right. And I, I, I really don't because you, you hear it. Oh, it's heavy. It's hot. It's sweaty. All right, cool, man. Well, guess what is also hot and sweaty, a fire. So uh, once again, you might want to question why you're here. If putting a pair of bunker pants on and a coat is like a travesty to you, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah. it, you have grown men that literally walk around like somebody just kicked their dog because it's time to train and they got to put their gear on out and, and, and they have to work out in the, in the sun. Okay. Those are the same people that pull a handline off the rig out of working fire. They squirt water for maybe a minute or two and they're peeling off their stuff, puking in the front yard, looking like a bunch of idiots when the whole community's out watching and the news crew's on scene. Right? That stuff matters. That that's all a ding to our profession. Right. And and these people don't think it is, but you better take pride in that, man. Like it's something as simple as your gear, having it set up ready to go on the rig so it's functional not taking it out of your gear bag when the tones drop i mean getting to work putting it up in a way that is functional and useful for when you need it and um i i believe um john sparrow said it um in, in one of his classes on uh physical fitness like our metabolic rate increases by like 50 percent when we put on bunker gear so if, you know, if you're not fit and you're making every excuse you can not to get in your gear and not to train, not only are you cheating yourself, but you're cheating the citizens and you're cheating the members of your fucking organization. And that is a problem. And, and that is really all we try and address in these trainings is like, hey, look, um, like you said, Nick, you know, crawl, walk, run. You know, learn one, do one, teach one, however you want to say it. There is a time and a place to add more elements to it. But eventually, you better be able to do the task fully geared up with an air pack on, ready to work, because that is reality and that is expectation. And I just absolutely love it when I see pictures of all these conferences and trainings going on. And, and that is what people are doing. They're not. They're not climbing a ladder with no air pack on. They're they're fully geared up on air. Even if it's theatrical smoke, they're they're going through the sets and the reps the right way, like they like they should be. And you know, it's it's funny because only inside the firehouse have I ever seen people bitch and moan about having to put on bunker gear. I have not once, not one single time at a training event ever seen anybody who was there complain about being in their gear in fact you got to damn near peel them out of it and tell them okay evolution's over time to take a break and cool off because they want to just keep going and that right there should be our gold standard yeah sean didn't you just have a uh send a picture i believe of a working fire that came in as an alarm activation yeah, that was uh right here in the neighboring community is in uh Troy. And um, you know, that's a paid on call fire department. They they got the alarm, came in as a fire alarm, and, and guess what those guys did? They got on the rigs, ready to work, and in route, uh, dispatch advised that they had another call from a neighbor advising that they could see flames through the roof and they showed up and it was a legit working warehouse fire, commercial fire. 
and they have, uh, they have to put their gear on. Right. It's just yeah. fire alarm. Just fire alarm. Yeah, but that's that's the crap that we sell ourselves. Oh, it's just a fire alarm. Oh, it's just an MVA. Um, you know, it's just an outside fire. It, how many times have you you know it, heard a medical call get dispatched and it's just a lift assist or something and you show up and it is definitely not what it was dispatched as. Yeah. You know, so all the time, bro. Yeah. Or, or, you know, MVA, no injuries and you show up and there's a freaking vehicle rolled over with someone pinned. I, I mean, yeah. you just can't take those dispatch. Um, you can't really take any information you're given at, as the gospel until you verify it for yourself. And I, I just commend those guys for getting on the rig, ready to rock and roll and, and getting straight to work because man, it's just, that is the mindset that we should have from day one, all the way from entry level firefighter in recruit Academy to last shift working on the job. That is what we need to be doing because the citizens deserve it. And, you know, I, I'm going to put it this way and I'm going to get off my rant. We always like to say them, 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 them. Like that is the buzzword of today, which I don't disagree with. But why do we do the things we do? Why do we train the way we do? Why do we, you know, wear our gear properly? Why do we look after each other? Like all these things that we always preach, like need to be done. It's not just for the citizens. That word them encompasses you, me, Shane, our families, everybody in the firehouse, our citizens, all of it. Okay. So if we're going to jump on this bandwagon and throw that word out there, then we better make sure, just like with anything else, that we understand what it truly means and that we're acting in the most appropriate manner. Amen. Yeah, dude, I'm going to, you know, I want to jump on that real quick. Um, you know, Chief Jacob Johnson, um, he said something recently that, uh, you know, that really, I mean, and I'm going to read it because it's, it, it's so true, man. And this sums up exactly what we're talking about. You know, he said he became a, you became a fireman to protect the citizens. Put your gear on. Actually, he said put your fucking gear on. But uh, you don't see second string athletes sitting on the bench in street clothes. Don't be a bitch. Do your damn job. 100 fucking percent. Do your damn job. Right? We signed up for this shit. I, I don't understand the mindset of guys that came on, you know, that are on the job right now. Like, that bitch about running calls, especially fire calls. Like, I understand smells and bells can, you know, you know, you get five, six, seven in a shift. Like I get it. You know, it gets a little old, you know, going up, tearing down the streets just to find a false alarm. But here's the deal. We were talking about this the other day. How many working fires have you been to that, or, or, you know, you pull up and there's smoke showing on a fire alarm. I can tell you right now, I've been to three, like really, really good fires that have been fire alarms. I've been to probably a dozen others where the sprinklers put the fire out, where there's been, you know, uh, you pull up and, and, oh, okay, there's there's actually a little something, you know, food on the stove, whatever cabinets are starting to go. So, you know, it's like this. The fire alarm is going off for a reason. It's a fire alarm. Is malfunction, is steam from a shower, you know, do all those things set off the alarms? Absolutely. But you know what? If we keep that mindset, that kind of that, you know, cried wolf, you know, mindset, that mentality, what's going to happen is we're going to get caught with our pants down. We're going to show up one day and it's going to be a working fire with somebody trapped 
And I'm trying to remember, one of the guys is saying that they actually had a, a successful grab on a fire alarm. They came in as a fire alarm. They showed up. They're smoking the building, like a heavy smoke, and they made a grab. And I, the only thing I can think to myself is, that, man, I'm glad they showed up ready to work. I'm glad they showed up ready to do their job. Because if they didn't and they're having to put all their shit on in the yard, man, that person might not have made it, right? I mean, they're in that smoke-filled environment, that charged environment. And if they show up and have to spend a minute and a half putting their shit on and getting their shit together and then taking a minute to pull the line and getting all that stuff squared away or commence and search and all that stuff, if they hadn't pulled up and gone to work, that person might not have made it. So it does matter that we put our gear on. It does matter that we wear it correctly. It matters that we stretch lines correctly. It matters that we search aggressively. It matters that we do our damn job. And, you know, Chief Johnson hits the nail on the head, man. You know, you don't see, you know, you don't see even second string athletes. What do they got on? They got their uniform on. They got their stuff on, their pads on, ready to play the game. At any minute, the coach can put them in, and it's their shot to make a difference. And same thing with us. I mean, you know, hopefully we don't see ourselves as second string athletes. But the bottom line is, you know, we've got to have the same mindset of we could get put in the game at any time because we don't know when that next alarm's coming, right? And I'm, I'm going to say this right, real quick for any officers that are listening. You know, I got told this early in my career by I had a, a really, really shitty captain at one point in my career who hated the fact that I was ate up with the job, hated the fact that I trained uh, and beat me down verbally because of it. And, and you know, if you're in that situation, I can tell you one thing. Keep going, man. Get out there, train, get around and like-minded guys because I can tell you right now, that's not the fire service as a whole. And one of the things that used to get told to me was rank has its privilege. And they use that as an excuse not to train. They use that that phrase, rank has its privilege. They use the rank as a reason not to get sweaty, not to get dirty, not to work and sweat and bleed with the troops. Let me tell you something. Yeah, you're right. Rank does have its privilege. The privilege to fucking serve. Let's just put it out there exactly how it is. Rank has a privilege, and that privilege is to serve the men and women that have entrusted themselves to your command. You know, the bottom line is we work for them. If you want to be an officer that's worth a shit, then you have got to put in the legwork to make your people better. The bottom line is you don't do that on the sidelines. You don't do that from your office, hiding in the office all day. You know where you make a difference? You make a difference putting your goddamn gear on, getting out there, sweating in the trenches with your men, showing them, not just telling them the way, showing them the way and making them better. You invest in your people you know, from, from start to finish, that's the way it's got to be. If you want to make a difference, then you got to be consistent. You got to be disciplined. And, you know, I think it was Pablo at the expo that made the comment that, you know, motivation is what gets us to the start line, but discipline is what gets us, you know, gets us to the finish line or something. I'm paraphrasing, but that is the absolute fucking truth. The bottom line is, as officers, we don't have the luxury of taking a day off. We don't have the luxury of letting our guard down. If senior men, it is our job, is, 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 whether it's a senior firefighter, it's a captain, it's a chief, it is our job to absolutely 100% show up, ready to go to work, show the men exactly what we're talking about, and be consistent. Because here's the thing, the minute you start being inconsistent and you talk about, you know, oh, you need to wear your gear, you need to do this, that, and the other, and then we, you know, get lazy and don't do it for a couple shifts, you know what that tells those people? That you're supposedly leading? That tells them that you don't believe what you're preaching. You're not, you're not practicing what you preach at that point. And you lose all their trust and credibility. Everybody knows it takes time to build trust and respect and credibility. It takes seconds to lose it. One bad decision, one, you know, one lazy moment. But here's the thing. The only way you overcome that is what? You get out there and say, you know what? I screwed up. If you find yourself in that position where you just, you know, you didn't follow your own standard and rule, hold yourself accountable because God knows you'd hold them accountable. 
hold your own damn self accountable and say, you know what, guys, I didn't live up to my own standard and I'm sorry. Because I can tell you right now that, you know, the p- people are watching. Shane, you and I talked about this earlier. People are watching. Whether, you know, there's so many people watching. We have such a great opportunity, whether it's podcasts, whether it's training conferences, what have you, to make a difference, to let that passion and that energy and that, that voice be heard. But it's up to us to uphold our end of the bargain and realize that, that you know, from, from probies to senior men to chiefs, they're listening. They're watching how you act. They're watching, you know, your consistency. What happens, you know, they want to see what happens when you get shaken a little bit. They want to see what happens, you know, when you're, you know, things don't go your way. What are you going to do? How are you going to rebound when you screw up? So, you know, I, I would say this to encourage anybody listening that maybe have found themselves like, man, I really screwed the pooch. You know, maybe I hadn't really held up my own end of the bargain. There's still time, man. That's the beauty of, of life. You have a chance to, you know, to, to write the way this book, you know, the next chapter goes for you, right? If you find yourself in that, that position of just maybe you fall into a rut and you're not motivated or maybe you're not holding yourself to the standards that you really deep down inside know you should be, man, step up. Find guys that are like-minded. Iron sharpens iron. Do just what we're doing right now. We're having a conversation with passionate brothers. I'm, I'm fired up, man. You guys got me amped up. I'm, I'm over here like making notes and shit, like, you know, writing stuff down, looking up little phrases and shit. I mean, you know, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. This is, you know, this is the type of, you know, this is what gets me going in the morning, man. When I go to the firehouse, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get on that big red truck. I'm excited to put my gear on that rig. I'm excited to get out and sweat with the, with the guys, right? I'm excited to do that. Why? Because this is what we signed up for, man. I don't know about you guys. I didn't sign up to sit in the fucking lazy boy and watch TV all day. I signed up to do fireman shit, you know. So if if you know if, you, if that's not your motivation, I I don't know, man. I, anybody listening, if that's not your motivation, ask yourself why. If all you look forward to and you know going on shift is is the minute you get downtime and you can just rack out, like you know if you find yourself isolating yourself from the crew, if you find yourself you know not wanting to do you know do stuff with the crew or train or do whatever if you are reluctant about that stuff like you gotta do some soul searching man because at the end of the day like you know shane you said it earlier you gotta want to train you gotta want you gotta enjoy training you gotta enjoy the process because if you don't enjoy the process you're not gonna get better right it's gonna be a drag every single day so that's all i gotta say man is, is you know put your fucking gear on be a fireman do fireman shit love the job man love your brothers take care of each other because at the end of the day that's all you're going to walk away with. That's what you're going to walk away with. You're going to walk away with memories and relationships. That's fucking it, guys. Hey, man. That was it. The mission, the men, and me. That's it. People, I mean, well, that's a, you can't get a better statement in a book than that. The mission, the men, and me. And that's, that's what it is in that order. Well, shoot. Uh, we've been at this a while, giving up our opinions. <laughs> you guys... Uh, <laughs> Want to talk about uh, the what's coming up at the the next North Florida Expo or the uh, Bears of the Oath Conference Number Three for anybody who might be listening? Yeah, Shane, go ahead, brother. Uh, so for Number Three, we're looking at October. Um, I, you know what? Again, one of those questions that I was asked several times over, even during Number Two, was. How in the hell, Rick George? You know, of all people, he uh, he asked me he, when he looked right before he left. He said, he said, I'm he said, 
I'm proud of you guys. You know, coming from somebody like that, that's that's a that's a that lets that's that you know that's that significance to know you're doing it right. And but he said, "How in the hell do you get that many good guys here at one time?" And I and I and I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, "How did you get all of those guys there at one time?" I said, "It's easy, man." They said, "How?" I said, "They're my friends," and they just you know people's like, "Oh." They don't know what to say to that, but that's the truth. And with that, the Bears of the Oath wouldn't be what it is without the people like you guys that come help, the people I work with, um, the people that trust me, that believe in believe in me. And and so, and I and I caught myself that following Monday right after when was when we was back down there loading up and cleaning up stuff was how in the hell are we gonna top this. You know, because I couldn't have been more. I was just, I was just so humbled and proud of how well it went. And I said, "What in the hell are we gonna do for number three to make it, to make it as good and successful?" And when I say that, it ain't about all of us. It's about the text messages and emails that come in from all the students. To continue that right there, the reward that is the reward when you get emails that people send you saying, man, you rejuvenated a, the, uh, y'all, you rejuvenated our career or my career. Or it, um, one guy said is, uh, made him a better husband and father. And that's, that is, that is simply an attest to the guys like you two that in the other 42 that came to, that's the level of what we're providing. And people, it's a lot of fire. It is, based off the fire service and what we're doing, but it's also based off what we all talk about all the time, you know, caring about each other and treating people right, teaching people, showing up to train with them, not train them. Uh, it's like Dave said, Duffy's just, he's hit it spot on. And so with number three, it's, uh, it's opened some avenues for some of my, my, my uh, goal is to always provide the most realistic aspects of all training and as this has grown and we keep taking and growing it it's opened a bunch of avenues to add more classes that we haven't had yet different avenues of training you know not just uh you know the i love the basics i love the four basics i love engine company work i love truck company work but my department guess what it's an engine a truck it's a quinn it don't matter because we all got to do the job we're not we don't have we don't have assigned multiple companies coming. So my forte and my, what I dig and love is the four basics and that's forcible entry, search, fire attack, fire behavior, whatever you want to look at it and rapid intervention. And that's what it's all based off and built around. And, but we also realize as it grows and the same people keep coming back, you got to offer them more classes to be able to take. And um, so we've, we've got some things coming up uh, with some different classes we're going to add um, we're fixing at the end of the month, we're going to take and drop where the third one's going to be. Um, we've had a lot of, a lot of people, re- a lot of departments reach out uh, and offer it. That's one thing we're blessed with in Georgia is training grounds and fire grounds and training fields all over the state and the majority of them never get used, which is sad. <clears throat> so we've got a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of opportunities come up with where and want us to come do it there. So, um, we're going to announce that. I don't want, I don't want to take and announce it right this second because we got to finalize some things next week 
and I don't want to put the put the cart in front of the horse, but uh, we're going to do the same things. Hopefully, a lot of the same guys will be there. I know there's a lot of most of you guys have already committed being there. Um, there's some other guys that's reached out and wanted to be a part of it, and that's and that's what you got to do, man. You got to the guy when people call and want to be a part of it, you got to take and you know there's a lot of people that's called and you know and unfortunately some of them I've had to say, look, man, if you guys we'd love to have you, but if you never worked with them and you can't just take and put certain people there and not know what their, what, what their capabilities are. So, you know, we always, we always give them the option to say, yeah, man, you're welcome to come, come to this one and let's work together and hang out and see if we see if we're compatible. And then, you know, in the next one we'll take and you guys can do your class. And, but there are some that we're going to add. There's, there's three more avenues we're going to add to it with some of the same stuff that we've done in the past, uh, in the past couple, we're going to add a, uh, there's, there's some good things coming from it, man. And that's a lot of different avenues coming, different um, style training with some good people. So being able to add, when we talked about earlier, that realistic, the relativity of the realistic of the resources that you have. And I believe that's what we do is, <clears throat> excuse me, this guy's ask all the time. Um, what makes the bears of the oath different? Well, first one, first and foremost, everybody's got to understand the bears of the oath is not one person. Bears of the oath is a trade name and you could take that bears of the oath away from it. And the same group of people would still do the same thing. And I truly believe that the bears of the oath is not just myself. It's a group of people, a large group that keeps growing a big family. And it allows us to work under and with each other. And it's not just the bears of the oath. It's the North Florida fire expo It's build your culture It's citizens first training. It's man. There's, there's so many different ones, you know, and, but you know, it's Herbie and national, you know, national rescue consultants, all of us. And what I tell people is this shit didn't happen on accident. And it's in the way it's growing and continuing to grow. It is, you know, it's very, very humbling. So it bears of the oath is, is has been a blessing um and it's also given a blanket and umbrella for people to come and be a part of something that they might not have been able to do or might not have wanted to do even as a student because they didn't have that outreach but they come and we encourage and we care about them and they go back and they spread the good news and it also puts a bunch of different people on a platform to take and showcase their passion their trade name cadres and Again, it's man, it's just I would three years ago, I would have never the intent was never, I, I never, this was never the intent. I always wanted to provide training that I wanted that I felt like that I deserved, and and that's what we try to do. And you guys being a part of it, you know, it just makes it able to do that. And you know, all of us are just a piece of the puzzle. So, with the Bears of the Oath in October, we're going to take and we're going to add some uh, three more different avenues with it. Um, we're going to do a lot of the same stuff. Uh, it'd be a different different location this time. It will be a different location. So that's going to be fun. It's always fun doing it at different places and accommodating and being able to take. And that's what's that. That's the uh, that's what's neat about it. It doesn't matter where it is. We always figure out a way to accommodate the structure that we have to use and to make it as real as possible. And <clears throat> so. Um, we're looking at October. We've got a uh, we've got several classes over the next three or four months. Um, there's a lot going on, man. It's busy. We do we got a class we uh, we do. It's called What's Your Plan? 
Um, we're fixing to do it. We've got two more dates for it now that's coming up. Uh, one of them's in Dalton, Georgia. So it's, uh, it's kind of a unique approach to your basic structural engine company firefighting tactics. It's we take in when they show up, we put them in groups. We try to group them together with their departments they're from. We give them a fire engine, let them set it up how they want to. We set the building on fire and say, there you go. And they look at you like, holy shit. You just, that's it. And that's it. And what we do is we take and we'll give them the engine, let them set it up how they want it. Their, their stretches, set the building on fire with multiple victims in it. And we let them go. And it's neat to see that because usually the first, the first, the first group that goes, you know, everybody's worried about making mistakes, but by the end of the day, everybody's sitting there or the second day, everybody's working together and, and building off and talking is in multiple groups, figuring out, Hey, what if we do this? What if you guys do this? Let's try the, your group, try this and we'll try this. And this is pretty unique because, you know, you, you usually spend the first part of the day in most classes setting up reps and showing them what you want. But you really take in how many people prepare to, before they get to work with what are they going to do? How many what ifs can you take out of actually responding from the time the bell goes off to you show up on scene? And we give them that opportunity to make mistakes. What they don't realize is they're all vulnerable, vulnerable. And it doesn't matter. They all make mistakes. Every group ends up making mistakes. And it gives them a platform to be able to do that on and make the mistakes, stop it, say, hey, whoa, what about looking at this before you do this again? And we're able to stop it in a hostile environment before it turns bad. And so what that does is it opens up 20, 30, 40 students to be able to sit there and build a relationship together. It don't matter if it's from a big department or a small department. Next thing you know, they're all working together and they're trying to figure out how to do it based off what's got to be done versus not knowing what, what their plan is when they show up in the real life scenario. So we got that coming up. Um, got, got a few things coming up on um, the next few months. Um, so this man, just this, uh, it's humbling. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to be involved with all these guys. We had a ball in, down there at Nick's, uh, at Nick's conference. That was, uh, I met a lot of different people that I never met before. Had a, had a blast doing that. Um, met students that they showed up at in Georgia the following week, man, that says a lot about somebody. They drive from North Carolina to Navarre beach for a conference. And then the next week they show up in Georgia. So, you know, that's, seven days out of the out of 12 that they were investing themselves in training and you know they do that because they want to come hang out with us and they listen to what we got to say and they trust us and then <clears throat> they taking it back to the fire service at general wherever their departments are so we got a good we got a lot of stuff coming up um excited about it man excited about helping you guys and uh that's the unique thing with us man all of us is is no matter where it, where it is or what state it is it's like driving it's just like driving just a simple drive or flight somewhere to go be a part of it every time. And it uh, don't matter whose, whose event it is, it's just being, it's being able to take in all of us together collectively working to make the fire service better. So it's, uh, it's neat to see what's going on. Yeah. A amen to that, man. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say any better myself. Nick, you got anything to add about the expo? Yeah, man. Um, so we've been kind of, kind of ramping up, uh, starting to plan for next year's event. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say a huge thank you to 
everybody that made the 2021 uh, Expo a success. Um, it's a family endeavor, man. And, and I mean that from all the, uh, you know, the, the whole team. Um, you know, I think of all the guys that literally bust their ass for, for weeks leading up to and then during the event uh, to make it work um, to, you know, all the all the guys that, that volunteer their time to help. I mean, I know, Shane, you ended up uh, down here uh, bringing some tools, helping out, teaching the forcible entry, uh, you know, kind of on the on the on the fly like hey man uh you mind helping out over here so that was uh it's, it's cool to have brothers that you can lean on it's cool that you be like hey man you know we need help with this or we need help with that um and guys step up and make it happen so awesome sponsors uh all those guys you know uh that have that have donated time money energy resources to make it work i mean it's it takes a village and shane you know this well man you know this well it takes a, a village to make an event like that successful because it is, there's a lot of moving pieces, man. There's a lot of different aspects that I think um, it's one thing you go to a conference and stuff and stuff goes off without a hitch. You don't even notice how much those guys are, you know, kind of like that duck on the water, man. They're, they're calm on the surface, kicking like hell under the surface. Uh, and, and that's a lot of how I kind of liken it, man. It's uh, it's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes on to make uh, the, the environment successful. Um, and to make it where the students walk away like, damn, I really had a good time learning a lot. So huge thank you to everybody that, that put in the time and the effort to make that a success. Uh, really, you know, I learned a lot. I met a lot of, you know, new people from all over the country. Had a blast. But uh, looking forward to next year. Um, we have a new venue. So we are moving to the next county over to Okaloosa County. We're going to be on Okaloosa Island at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn. Uh, we were able to secure... Really, it's kind of a good problem to have. We, we outgrew our uh, current facility out in our beach, and we needed a, a bigger space to accommodate uh, more people. So uh, we were able to uh, lock in a hotel on Oakloose Island for three years. They gave us a really, really good uh, deal on the on the building, much bigger space. Same kind of concept. It's on the beach. You know, guys, they come down from long distances if they want to bring the families uh, by all means, you know, let their families take advantage of the of the beautiful beaches while they're down, while they're training. Uh, it, that is a great opportunity, of course. But uh, the biggest thing is we wanted also to be more centrally located. We're trying to add training sites to uh, what we're doing, kind of grow the uh, grow the event so we have more hands-on training sites. And being in Oakland County, you know, kind of opens up the doors for us to hopefully bridge some gaps uh, further uh, east of where we're currently at. So. Uh, we're hoping that'll be a good thing for us. But uh, another thing I want to share, and this is the first time anybody's hearing this because we just locked this uh, in the other day and we haven't yet to make the announcement on it. But uh, our keynote for the 2022 Expo is going to be uh, Chief Rick Lasky. Uh, Chief Rick Lasky is committed to come be our keynote and also to uh, uh, do a breakout session for us, speak uh, for us at the 2022 Expo. So we're really excited about that. He just got back to me the other day. Um, working out the, the fine details now, but uh, that's a that's a big deal, man. He's a you know guy that I've looked up to in my career. A lot of a lot of motivational uh, you know subject matter I've I've kind of gleaned from him through the years. Um, everybody knows his pride and ownership book and, and speech at FDIC. And I and I tell you, man, like it's it's one of those things that I show all our new guys. So to have him come in and speak for us, I think it's a it's, a, it's an honor. Uh, we're excited about it and. 
So that's uh, that's a big deal. Um, but I can tell you right now, man, there's a lot of good guys coming back. Uh, we look forward to having a lot of the blue collar firemen uh, back uh, at at the uh, the 2022 expo. Uh, you know, that's that's our our thrust behind this expo is just you know we want blue collar firemen shit, man. We want guys to come in and have a good time. But uh, more than anything, we want them to come in and enjoy the learning process and be in the trenches with guys that are, you know, that are they're sweating with them that are like Sean alluded to earlier that are training with them, not just training them. Right. So um, we're going to have hopefully, uh, you know, even more hands on uh, this, this coming year. Uh, we've got some guys coming back. We've got some new guys coming in. And I think it's all in all. Uh, I know we're still early in the event, uh, but uh, we're, we're doing I think we're earlier in the in the prep work than we were last year and the year before. So uh, we're kind of setting the stage, hopefully, for uh, kind of expanding our, our uh, training sites a little bit, uh, bringing in uh, high-quality guys that have already been with us. You know, Sean, I know uh, we've already talked. And, you know, obviously, uh, what you guys are doing, the search class is is always one of the, uh, uh, one of the you know, sought-after courses because like you know guys let's just be honest man guys are looking for stuff that you know they want practical they want practical street stuff that's going to translate well to their job and you know that's a you know i think it's a testament to the type of instructors we're bringing in uh your class and and, and you know I, I look at guys like julio and guys like that that are coming up uh, you know shane hopefully uh, we'll have you down here in uh next year and you know we want guys that that are into the job that are blue collar firemen that uh that love the job, that want to, that want to impart real world, uh, you know, stuff that works, stuff that is not just out of a textbook or out of a theory, right? We want stuff that actually is is coming from guys that are doing the job, that have done the job, that um, that are, are passing on not just theories, but what practical application stuff that we can put to use in our firehouses right here, right now. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing, man. We're we're looking at uh, you know some some different format formatting things to uh, allow higher quality reps, um, you know timelines, things like that. Uh, just kind of move some stuff around to uh, uh, listen to what the students and the instructors gave us for feedback. I can tell you that uh, we're still getting feedback from some of the surveys we sent out, and and we're listening. You know, we're we're taking those those surveys, we're reading them, we're we're evaluating them, and trying to make. Uh, you know, make it a better event. And that's, I think that's what it comes down to for us. I mean, it's, you know, we're not, uh, we're not any, you know, we're, we're, we're just, I feel like we're, we're one training event in, in a, in the pool of, of great training events that are out there, but, you know, we're just trying to take all the stuff that we've learned over the last couple of years and continue to improve upon what we're doing and, and to have quality guys come down like yourselves, um, to, to share that love and that passion, man. Um, that's what it's about blue collar firemanship, you know, trying to make the job better. And uh, so I'm excited about it. I think that, I think that there's a lot of great uh, stuff coming down the pipe with the, with the 2022 expo. Um, and, and, you know, I think that events like bears of the oath and the North Florida fire expo and some of these events that are, that are popping up around the country, you know, these grassroots conferences um, you won't find them, you know, in my opinion, some of the most passionate instruction happens at these conferences, man. And it's awesome to see the instructors taking time, even after the classes, to pour uh, themselves into their students, you know, explaining stuff, having conversations, going over stuff, you know. And that's that's the beautiful thing about, um, you know, these grassroots conferences is, 
it is, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not 30,000 guys, you know, at FDIC, but you know, for a couple hundred guys, two, 300 guys in one place, sharing love and passion and knowledge. And really when it comes down to you, it, it becomes like a family, right? A lot of the guys that are at these events, man, are, are brothers that I consider family, you know? Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about it is it's brothers helping brothers. It's, it's guys that are stepping up and, you know, saying, Hey, we want to, we want to make the, you know, the fire service better. We want to be part of, you know, we want to help our brothers. We want to help, uh, you know, the fire service go forward. And the beautiful thing is you have all these great instructors with all this talent and, and there's no egos, man. We talked about this earlier, Shane, you know, it's beautiful to see this, that many instructors and that many guys just, you know, get along and in, in, in harmony and unison and trying to make the job better. And, and, and really what it comes down to is, you know, giving the students um, the best possible experience where they can take that back and get, you know, recharge their batteries a little bit and go back and, and, you know, with a little bit of excitement, a little bit of pep in their step to their fire department and hopefully, you know, train other people that will take that information and be better because of it. So uh, we're pumped. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, we got some great stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, hopefully, you know, the hands-on classes and, and the lectures we're going to, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, bring some, some new uh, instructors in, but also uh, bring some guys that, uh, you know, have been with us back. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the key is we want to, we want the instructors to have just as good of a time as these students, right? We want them to come in and, you know, feel like they're part of a family, feel like they're, you know, they get to enjoy the event as well. So um, hopefully that's what we, what we'll accomplish going forward with the next one. Um, I think that it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you have awesome, awesome guys that, that are support you. You know, it's awesome to look around and see all these brothers that are, that are willing to come help and lend their time and their energy and their talents and their efforts. Um, you know, it makes, it makes my job a lot easier to, when I can call people up and, and, and say, Hey man, you know, I really want you to be part of this and, you know, I like what you're doing and, and without even thinking about it, guys are like, yeah, man, we're there, we're there. And, you know, that's, that's honestly, um, one of the things I could say is everybody that's been at the, at the, at the, uh, the expo the last couple of years, pretty much with, with almost, with, almost without exception, um, <clears throat> has been, um, you know, guys that just, just, they're there because they want to be there. They're there because they want to get better and they want to impart some wisdom, some knowledge, some love for the job with other guys. And, uh, like I said, that makes my job easier, um, it, you know, doing an event like this. And it's a team effort. You know, I got a lot of guys in the, in the background that are working nonstop uh, to make it work. So I uh, can't, can't do it without the team, can't do it without you guys and the support that, uh, you know, other other instructors and, and conferences have shown us has been just humbling. Uh, it, it really has, man. It's been mind-blowing mind to see the amount of uh, resources that have just, you know, kind of – popped up where they're like, Hey man, you need any tools. You need any manpower. You need, you know, you need us to come help, you know, do build, you know, build props or whatever it is. And guys are stepping up to the plate. So, um, I love it. I love to see, you know, uh, guys come together and do that kind of, you know, that kind of event to make it, you know, to pull it off and see it all come together as much running around as it is. It's all worth it. When you see the, the final product, when you see students learning, you see guys, you know, excited about the job, you see them, you know, calling up and, and after the fact say, man, that was like, you know, some of the best training I've ever had, you know, or, Hey, that, that made a direct impact on, on the job for me. Um, a couple of weeks later, like in the case of the, the uh, brother that made the grab with you, you know, after the uh, bears, 
I mean, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear, right? That's the kind of stuff that charges your batteries and keeps you going. So um, very, very excited. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have some more information coming out in the next few weeks with the expo. Um, just trying to lock in uh, instructors as far as uh, who's going to be where and when. And, and we'll be getting some of that stuff out, uh, kind of getting some of the initial information out in the next few weeks. And then uh, as we get closer to summer, we'll start posting the actual hard schedules and kind of start advertising so that uh, hopefully uh, we can open up registration in the fall like we did this last year. So that's all I got on that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up. I love you guys. I'm, I love what uh, the partnerships that, that we formed and, and I look forward to working with you guys in the future. Likewise, yeah. Likewise. I look forward to, to getting up with uh, you guys again. And uh, also other instructors, you know, who uh, want to come out and participate. And that's really what it's about, you know, take taking our fire service back and, and improving upon what we already have and you know I, i'm just going to close it out with this um we've been out this a while so if anybody's still listening <laughs> 20 years from now you're going to be disappointed more disappointed <laughs> by the things you chose not to do than the things that you did do so um don't don't let the fire service pass you by man this is this is your time it's a great time and uh just make a difference, man. Love the job. There's nothing wrong with that. And as much as we preach loving the job, just love each other, man. Bring back the brotherhood, make it what it's supposed to be. Um, I think it's kind of geared more towards uh, being misunderstood for friendship these days than, than anything else. And uh, that's that's not what it is by any means. So um, just you know, stay dedicated. Don't let anybody steal your passion. You know, stay stay disciplined and uh, just just keep pushing forward, man. And, and, and when you look back at the end of your career and you hang up your your coat helmet for, for one last time, man, just I want everybody to be proud of the things that they were part of um, and the, the things that they did. I don't want anybody to look back and say, "Man, I wish I would have done something different," or "I wish I would have done more," or "I could change this." Just this is your time seize the moment so um, that's it that's all i got yeah well said bro well said shane um brother it's been an honor to have you on here man oh man thank you guys very much hey i want to say this i in and allude to that night we 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 beat up so many different things tonight and you can call them chasing rabbit holes or whatever you want to do but for the for the for the firefighter that's out there that's listening, it is okay to want to be like other guys. It is okay to take and have people that you actually want to take and be like. But in doing that, you got to make sure that those guys are understanding enough that their ego is not in the way. It's okay to want to be like somebody. It's okay to want to take and do good things and be an instructor, be a firefighter, be good at something. Don't be comfortable, man. Get out of your circle. Stay out of that circle. Get good at being uncomfortable, but find somebody that you like what they're doing that will respond back to you, not just not just be that person or that ego. Find somebody that will take and interact with you. That's the good that's the beauty of everything that all of us do together is we're, we're there's we're no different than the people that's coming to take and listen to us blab. So Man, find somebody that you trust, find somebody that you want to be like, create that back at your own fire department and don't get in the way of the ones that's better than you. Get out of the fucking way 
and let them do it and trust them. Trust them to allow you to make mistakes and trust them to allow you to become better and do not, as an officer, do not get in their fucking way. Word. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice, brother. Um, we're our own worst enemies, you know, we are. So, <laughs> it's easy to, it's easy to get no, in our own way. So, um, great stuff tonight, guys. Um, you know, this is, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. Sharing love, sharing passion for the job. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, someone will take a little bit of what we said tonight and it'll fire them up. It'll get them motivated. It'll help them be better firemen, better people. Cause that's what it's about. Right. I mean, that's, that's what this kind of stuff is about. So, you know, um, from, from three, uh, three blue collar firemen to the rest of you guys listening out there. Um, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far with us, um, we, we truly appreciate you taking your time to listen to this podcast and we, we hope that uh, some of the stuff that's been said tonight uh, will encourage you to uh, stay positive, man, to stay motivated on the job. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see one of these conferences coming up. You know, there's there's so many great opportunities um, out there that, uh, you know, take your pick, man. There's there's some great opportunities to train. Uh, if you're not getting that level of training in your department, then, again, I encourage you to get out there, rub shoulders with some of these guys, you know, go to the Bears of the Oath and rub shoulders with Shane and, and Sean and, you know, uh, Jacob Johnson and Herbie Tyler and all these guys that are up there, uh, you know, pouring their hearts and souls into the students, man. Like get out there and talk to these guys, have a beer with them because at the end of the day, um, you know, that's where some of the, some of the, the best learning comes from building relationships with guys, just like we're doing right now. Like, and we've done over the last few months, you know, uh, is, is taking the time to just pick up the phone, reach out, you know, um, if anybody needs, you know, to talk or wants to talk, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I can speak for myself and I'm pretty sure that Shane, you and Sean, uh, you guys both feel the same way, you know, pick up the phone, call us, message us on Facebook, message us, whatever. I mean, you know, send us a text because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're just firemen. We're just firemen that, that, uh, we've been fortunate enough to have other brothers take and mentor us and show us the way and, and show us the love for the job and instill that in us. And, I think it's, you know, we're just trying to pass that on. I'm just trying to pass that on. I, I love the job. I love this family that uh, I'm blessed to call my, you know, my brothers and, and my friends. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you'll find a little bit of that spark tonight uh, or, or today uh, when, when you listen to something like this and, you know, it'll keep you going a little bit, you know, keep you getting down the road a little ways. So uh, again, brothers, thank you again, Sean, Shane. Um, you guys have been awesome tonight. It's, it's been uh, really, really a great uh, conversation and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Um, you guys take take it easy. Be safe out there. And uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, I'm sure, running into each other sooner than later, boys. You bet. Thank you guys. You guys, you guys, uh, you guys stay safe. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>